You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. Or if you like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. If you haven't done so yet, I hope you are drinking some of my fizzy Housewives-inspired rosé, packing a punch at 14% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. You can stock up on my Housewives watching wine at nofilterwine.com. So head on over. And if you haven't done so yet, go and get your tickets to see me and Adam Newell from Up and Adam live on tour. We're going to be in LA April 7th, Nashville April 13th, and New York on April 28th. We have lots of surprise guests in store. So Get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. Head to SpillingTeaLive.com to get your tickets. Today's guest I'm really excited about because I've been binging Real Housewives of Miami on Peacock. She is a Cuban doll who's back on the scene and living more than the dream because her life is like a movie and the award for best drama goes to her. Please welcome from the Real Housewives of Miami, Alexia Napola. Hi, Zach. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I love that whole introduction. And I feel like I should be drinking that drink right there that you have. I know. I'm going to need to send you some of the rosé and we can get Liddy City together. Yes. So how have you been? We haven't seen you on our TV screens in, in quite a while. That is true, right? I think too many years. I feel like, you know, we had to play catch up this season for the eight years that you haven't seen me on TV. And it's never like the real, you know, it's never like enough, right? Because I feel like just one season trying to play catch up for eight years isn't enough. But, you know, you guys got to see a little bit of what you've been missing for those eight years. And I'm sure you're not surprised. I'm sure that you're having fun with it. Are you still running Venue Magazine? No, unfortunately, no. We celebrated our 10th year anniversary for Venue in September of 2016. And three days later, Herman passed away. And um, a few months later, his um, two sons decided to close the magazine. And now you have Alexi and Frankie's Beauty Bar, I see. Yes. Now I have Alexi and Frankie's Beauty Bar. And I love it because it's what I've always loved. Beauty. And, you know, making women even more beautiful, you know, and it's kind of like it's, yes, it's all services like nails, spray tan, massage, hair, a little bit of everything, but also just like, you know, having the business where I can talk to ladies and women all day. So it's like it's therapeutic. And at the same time, I'm making them beautiful. So it's like we're all having a great time. So Real Housewives of Miami is back and it's been a major hit. Everyone that I know that loves Housewives is obsessed. I went, I had to go back and watch the first three seasons because I don't know how I slept on those first three seasons. And it was so good then. It's just as great now. Um, were you excited when you got the call that they were thinking about bringing it back? Yes, of course. I mean, I always believed that it would come back someday. I just was not happy that it took eight years for it to come back, but I'm very happy to be part of it after eight years. I think it's something huge, you know, like the comeback and to be part of it with a lot of the OGs and to have, you know, new girls also join the cast has been really great. So were 
what were those conversations like over the past eight years? Were you guys calling up the production company or trying to reach out to Andy Cohen and been like, what's going on? We're still in limbo. We haven't been officially canceled, but like. I love that we were not officially canceled ever. It's kind of like DC. I think of DC and I feel like it was canceled. Yeah. But Miami was kind of like, oh, like, we don't know. Like, we don't know what's going on. And, you know, fast forward, that was the first year, second year. You know, I felt that maybe if, like, together as a cast or maybe even individually, we would have reached out to somebody. They would have listened. But none of us never really did anything. We just kind of, like, went along with it and just, you know, believed that, you know, one day it would come back. And that's what happened. Eight years later, you know, we're here. I think the fans had a lot to do with it, that they were very local. So thank you, fans, you know, for believing us and, you know, and voicing your opinion, because I think they finally listened. And that's why we're here. Did you have any reservations when you found out it was going to be on Peacock and not Bravo? Not really. I mean, I really didn't understand Peacock at that time, because I'm not that, you know, I didn't know that it was like the the streaming and that the whole world is streaming now, right? Because I really don't do streaming. I don't watch too much TV to begin with. So, um, but right away, I knew that it was going to be something great because, you know, this is what the times we're living and it's the future. And I felt like it was very smart of Peacock to bring in a show like ours, you know, to attract, you know, all the audience and the viewers, you know, into that platform and get subscribers and the whole thing. So I think it's been like a, a, you know, a good experience, you know, for us and for the network as well. And, you know, hopefully it'll transition into Bravo, but, you know, just the fact that we're, you know, we had such a strong season and, you know, we're on Peacock. It's it's really important to us. No, I'm not going to lie. I was, I had my reservations because I was like, do I need another streaming service? But like this one is worth it because like all of the show, ultimate girls trip, Royal Housewives of Miami, like all the shows that they've been coming out with are really good. Yes. And even movies. I mean, I saw marry me on Friday and I was super excited about like, how does that work? Like, you can go to the movies or you can watch it here. I'm like, let's watch it here. Like, right now. I want to see it right now. I know. I so watched- it's, I'm getting used to it as well. But, you know, it's something new. And I think it's new. Like, how you say, you know, there's a lot of people that have reservations about getting another stream platform. But you know what? I, I've convinced a lot of people to get it. And they're very, very happy that they did. And there's also great shows on it. So, you know, like I said, I think it's the future. But I honestly would love to be on Bravo as well. Because, you know, I... Also, you know, that's how we started. And I feel like, you know, the Bravo also has like a big, you know, fan base and a big audience. So it's important to be in both. What was the conversation like when they approached you about, you know, reviving the show? So, I mean, we had always been like in touch with the producers because, you know, they would come to Miami and, you know, we would talk to them and the whole thing. So, you know, I I feel like they would come around and kind of like to see what we're, we're doing with our lives and what was going on. And they would like come and go, you know, but it was never anything solid. And I think what really pushed it was, um, in my opinion, was the fact that COVID happened. And, you know, there were many people at home and obviously watching Bravo because they have such great shows. And they started doing the reruns and the marathons of the Miami Housewives. And we're like, why are they doing this now? They were like, tease us. And then they were like, go back. And I would say, oh, this time around, it's a little different because they wanted us like more involved. And obviously, you know, we started promoting these marathons and, and the Miami Housewives again on, on Bravo. So I said, oh, I think they're up to something. And then that was the perfect opportunity for the fans, you know, to continue to voice their opinion and say, we want them back. We want them back. Miami became a very popular city during the pandemic because, you know, everybody wanted to be here because of the beautiful weather, because our restrictions were, you know, less than other um, cities, let's say. 
So it just became very popular. So I said, if there's any time that we should come back, it, it needs to be now. And it was exactly that. We got the phone call and then everything happened super quickly. And, you know, in less than a year, we're on TV finishing the season. You guys have a few more episodes that you'll watch in the reunion. And that's it. So I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners wanting to know what's going on with you and Leah Black. I know she's had a lot to say about you in the past few weeks. Do you miss her on the show at all? Um, So I don't miss Leah Black. And apparently she misses me and us a lot because all she does is talk about us, right? So I think that she's feeling it. I think that she's feeling like left out. So, you know, she always wants to stay relevant. So, you know, let's talk about us. Well, she said it was her decision to not come back to the show. I don't believe it. No, I don't believe it. You know, like, you know how everything is. Like, you can say whatever it is and there's really like no evidence to back it up. But I can tell you that I, I, I know a lot and I know that she was not asked to be back on the show because it doesn't it didn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It didn't make any sense. I honestly never really understood why she was even on season first, season one, because, you know, when you're in a group with women, you know, you have to have like a dynamics, you know, and I felt that she's just not not that kind of a woman. You know, I don't think she has like friends. You know, I, I think that you know, whenever she has something to contribute, it's kind of like an insult, you know, a compliment wrapped in an insult. You know, I think she likes to put women down. I think she throws digs. You know, I, I don't like her humor, her sarcasm. I never understood it. I still don't get it today. And um, and the truth is that she was lucky that she had three seasons because she never really belonged there. And I still feel that, and not in a bad way. I mean, I'm saying it in a good way. I mean, that's like my opinion. And I know that I also can speak for a few of the women on the show and they feel the same way. And I feel like this season was a lot better without her. I mean, this season definitely feels fresh. It feels exciting. The women are all bringing it. Now we know Adriana and Marisol did not get like the full housewife status. Uh, Did you guys know going into it, whether or not you would be like full housewife or friends of? Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself and I knew my story and I knew what I was bringing and I've always known. So I knew I was going to be a housewife. You know, I feel like I was one of the anchors and maybe like Lisa, you know, I mean, the truth is that for the show to have come back, you know, you need some of the OGs, you know, you need the fans that you know, have been watching, you you know, for seasons and that are interested in your story. So I knew that Lisa, for example, and myself would, you know, would, would be asked back as housewives. The other ones were questionable. How are you and Lisa doing? We saw a little bit of friction between you guys this season. It seemed like there was a little tension when you guys appeared There's on Watch What Happens Live. Friction. There's always a little bit of friction between Lisa and I, but it's all good because we generally love each other. And, you know, I'm like her big sister. And, you know, sometimes the big sister, you know, has to act like the big sister and like check you. So, um, but, you know, it's all good. You know, we continue to be great friends. And, um, and, you know, we're going to have our moments like, you know, sisters and friends do, and it's all good. You know, it's just like how you come back from it and, you know, just play it off and move forward. Have you had any communication with Joanna Krupa or Christy Rice? With Joanna, I haven't had at all because, you know, she was another one that I never really thought belonged in our city because she's not from Miami. And um, so I, I never got close to Joanna, you know, when she came on in season two, you know, I stepped down because of the situation that I had with my son, Frankie, after his accident. So I voluntarily, you know, participated, you know, as little as I could. Um, 
or as much as I could, sorry, which was very little, which is what I was really trying to say. And, um, and in season three, it was the same thing. So it's like, I never really like had like a kind of friendship with her. And again, like, I really thought she belonged like in LA that she didn't really represent, you know, our city. So, um, I never spoke to her again. I'm very happy that she's moved on and she has, you know, a beautiful family and has a child and I wish you the, wish her the best. And the other one, Christy, Christy, I've seen here in Miami, but you know, Christy was only on season one. So, you know, it was a very long time ago and um, I've, you know, continued to see her here, but, you know, I, I never thought that she would be asked back for the season either. Larsa, I wasn't surprised, you know, Larsa, I'm, I'm glad she's back. And, um, and I always thought she, you know, she belonged and, you know, we're all friends and I think she was a good addition, you know, um, to the season. How are you, Nicole, doing? Were you guys able to clear up the things that she accused you of saying about Marisol? No, I mean, you know, the thing is that when that happened, you know, I thought it was really poor taste of Nicole to kind of like deflect her situation and what she had said about Larson and Lisa and try to like make it into, you know, a fight between Marisol and I, you know, um, surprisingly for her, it didn't happen. Like, okay, you're smart, but you're not that smart. And Marisol and I are real friends. So, you know, there's no, that bond that we have, like she, you know, a stranger pretty much that came into the group is not going to like screw things up for us. So that didn't work. And then she had to concentrate on defending, you know, her point of view on what actually had happened, which was really, you know, the focus, you know, it wasn't about Marisol and I. After that, you know, because this is a reality show, um, you know, it, it was impossible to really like talk to her because we had planned like to have dinner one night. So, and her baby, you know, unfortunately fell down and got hurt. So we had to cancel that night. And then it just kind of like things happen like that, you know, organically that we were never really able to have like a heart to heart between her and I. How are Peter and Todd doing? They're doing great. The truth is that, you know, they were doing good before. And, you know, that just happened because it's what had to happen. And, you know, as a family, we were able to see it after Thank God we were, had already moved on and in a better place because obviously this was filmed before. So when you guys saw it, when we got to see it again, many months had passed by. So it was difficult to watch, you know, as a family and painful. But the good thing is that we were at a great place. And it's kind of like, oh, wow, like we did that. Like it was that bad. Because, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't realize that. So, you know, sometimes you have to get uncomfortable, you know, in order to get results. And, you know, we did get really good results as a family and we're stronger and better, you know, all together and, and things are good. Well, obviously, you know, Frankie's a hot button topic. How are you and Todd or how do you guys work through, you know, addressing his care? No, I mean, we've, you know, like Todd and I, that's never been like an issue. Like, Frankie's care you know what I mean I'm obviously like the mom and I'm the one that's been more involved in his care because yeah. you know Todd came into this already you know five years ago but he wasn't as involved as he is you know today because you know in the beginning of a relationship you know sometimes you'll have to respect you know the man and say you know we don't know if this is going to be you know long term we don't know what's going to happen so, you know, it's been five years already and, you know, Todd is very much, you know, involved as my partner, you know, in my decisions, like, what do you think? What can we can do? You know, he's, um, you know, he just helps me and supports me. And 
Frankie, which is like what, what we need, you know, when you're married to somebody and we're all living together, you, you need to have, you know, that support, that support system. No, it's crucial. I know for me, you know, with, with my brother who, you know, he has autism, which I know is different from Frankie, but you know, we've had issues where when my mother would introduce a new relationship, like it, it affects the dynamic of the family. And, you know, there are certain boundaries issues. I know even for myself, I've struggled with boundaries issues of like, when do I overstep or when do I just be a supporting role versus, you know, overshooting the mark? And that's why I understand, you know, it's tough as the child when, you know, the man's coming into the relationship and it's tough for the man, you know, especially because my children are older. You know, I think it's easier when they're little and they really don't have like an opinion or something they could say or they're afraid of saying it. It's a lot easier. But when they're already like two young men, you know, it's a little bit, you know, it's, you know, it, it takes time. It's like, you know, it takes time and to get it to where you want it to be. And I feel like we're all in a, in a good place today, but it's taken like a lot of hard work. But, you know, the important thing is that we all realize that it's all important to us. And if we all love each other, this is the only way of doing it. You know what I mean? Like Todd should care about how I feel about Peter and about Frankie as he does. And, you know, his intentions were always good intentions and Peter the same, you know, Peter wants to see me happy. So if, you know, he's going to do everything, you know, to make me happy and, you know, and, and to be cooperative and to just think, you know, we all love each other and we all want to get through this and move on and, you know, and be a happy family. And like I said in other interviews that I've done today, that every family goes through this, you know, in different ways, you know, we got to share it with the world. But, you know, these are like family issues, you know, that happen. And, um, and it's just like talking it over and, you know, and just getting through it, you know. How's Peter doing? I know that the battery charges were recently dropped against him. Right. Well, he was never charged with that. He was arrested. There's a difference. He was arrested, but he was never charged with any battery charges. How is So we're happy about it because we I always believed in him. Mm-hmm. How is he doing? Obviously, I would imagine being back on the show and, you know, being dragged into the headlines again. You know, how are you helping him through kind of the public criticism? Right. Well, you know, I've always been very supportive, you know, of my children, as I said, it doesn't matter what age they are. Um, you know, I think as a mother, you know, that's, that's all, they're always going to have me. It's like this unconditional love and support because if they don't have me, who are they going to have? So, you know, I think because Peter already experienced this, you know, in years prior, he's grown thick skin and he, you know, he cares, but he doesn't, he doesn't care so much, you know, because you can't say, oh, I don't care. I don't care. No, we're, we're human beings. And if you have feelings and emotions and a heart, you care. But it's just like growing a thick skin and kind of like tuning out and not reading, you know, all those things because they could really damage you. You know, and you have to have a really strong mind. You have to have a really strong heart and say, you know what? I'm not going to read this. I'm not because I know who I am. And I know I'm a good person and I'm just full of love and I'm a kind person and they don't know me. But, you know, we are guilty in the people's court. We're guilty to proven innocent. And that's how it is. But that's what people this is what we do. You know, people are judgmental. People are going to have an opinion. So, you know, luckily for us, you know, there was justice and, you know, nothing happened, you know, and there was, you know, a happy, you know, positive outcome. So we're, we're happy with that. 
I feel like you are probably, I think you're one of my, you're probably my favorite on Miami because I feel like you're so honest and open and you really just don't hold anything back. Is that ever a question or something that you guys consider as a family about like when to not address certain things on camera or is it really just full all holds barred? No, well, you see, I feel bad for Todd because Todd didn't sign up for this. And neither did Peter, for that matter, right? Because they were young when I decided to do the show, when I started doing the show. And then, you know, everything happened naturally, organically, how how this happened. So I feel bad for him because he's new at it. You know, it's kind of like a new relationship, even though we've been together for five years. And, you know, this poor guy, like, got all of this, right? But again, you never know. Like, these things aren't planned out. You know, it's not like you sit there and you talk about it and say, okay, we're not going to discuss this, this, and that. Maybe moving forward, we'll start doing that. <laughs> Okay, if you have anything to say. So, but no, we never did that as a family. Honestly, we didn't. Um, and, you know, Todd thought it was more like a, a girl's show. They just like the women get together and they attack each other and they talk shit and, you know, whatever. And he thought we were going to be talking about penis, which we actually did while Adriana did. And, you know, that kind of stuff, right? But he didn't think that it was so like family oriented. But, like I told them, I go, well, it's family oriented for me because I'm a mom. And like, I've always been like the mom and my family and my kids. It's always been like my thing. And it's going to continue to be till the day I'm, I'm here on this earth because this is like who I am. And, you know, I'm very involved with my kids, with both of them. And uh, I have a great relationship with them. And, you know, Frankie and Peter work with me. Peter's working with me now at the beauty bar even more. So you're always going to see that. So because, you know, it's a reality show that's based on my life and the show revolves around my life. This is what you guys got, you know, Um, and I feel bad because he didn't sign up for this, like I said, you know, or my son, because if nobody, you know, what what happens to Peter has happened to a lot of families. Nobody knows about it because they're not public. But my lessons and my family lessons always turn into public lessons. So it's a lot harder, you know, when you have to, you know, learn these lessons in front of the public that is so quick to judge. Well, Confidence by Quinn on Instagram uh, wrote in a question for you. She said, what gives you the strength to share so much that so many of us would not be willing to expose on a show? Okay, so, you know, if you see me on the previous seasons, I was not comfortable with sharing. You know, if you really know me, you know that I am that kind of person. I'm like an open book. Talk to my customers. I'm very open. I can talk about anything. And... You know, so that always has helped me. I know when, and I feel like when the cameras are around, I tune them out. So I'm the same person that I am, whether they're there or not. And, but in my personal life, what has helped me, you know, and has given me the strength was the fact that after Frankie's accident, I started writing a book and, you know, I found it just like therapeutic and healing, you know, just like it wasn't only like my journey with him and his accident, but it was all also like who I was and like what my childhood had been and like, you know, just like how my life had, had evolved and where I was at at that moment. So it was a little bit of everything. Right. But I started just writing things down. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm writing this. I'm actually I'm getting it out of myself. So fast forward all these years, I would also have to add a lot more chapters because a lot has happened um, since then. But I've also been able to talk to a lot of people about it. So as I've gone, you know, older and wiser, and I found that it was therapeutic and healing, actually talking about it and how I was helping a lot of my friends, I was just more comfortable, 
And, you know, things that I was ashamed about in the past, I started becoming proud about. You know, so I turned that. I'm like, well, why am I ashamed of that? That's not, not such a bad thing. You know, I lived it. I am who I am today because of that experience. And it's giving me like the strength, you know, to be stronger and to just kind of like face, you know, whatever adversity I've had in my life. But my 50s now, it's like I'm proud of who I am, you know, instead of being ashamed. Like, I'm not sorry. You know, what? I don't care what you think of me. I've like come this far. So it's like, I, I don't want to say I'm a different person because I've always been like this, but I'm just like not afraid. You know, life is too short. Life is too fragile. And, and I'm proud of who I am. I love who I am. And, and then that's it. You know, so it's like, it's been very changing. My fifties have kind of like just changed. If you would have asked me what I've done this in my twenties and my thirties, no, I was so embarrassed. I mean, I was like, my, my first husband was in jail and I was like a school teacher and I would lie to all my teachers and tell my, you know, my peers, like I would say he was on a trip, you know, and maybe they probably knew, but they weren't saying anything about it. I would take my kid, you know, my Peter to baseball practice and they would ask about their dad. I'd be like, oh, he's traveling again. They're like, oh, okay. So I, I lived in a lie. You know, I did that in my 20s. I did it in my 30s. You know, my 40s, it was kind of like, mm, do I want to keep like moving in a lie? No. So, you know, after Frankie's accident, you know, that I found like the strength, you know, within myself, I said, wow, like, you're like really a badass. Like, you're really strong, you know, and you've gone through all this and it's like how you react to it and how you come back. So I was like, you know, I'm not ashamed anymore. And I'm not, you know, apologizing for any of these experiences that I've had or people that I've had in my life or things that have happened to me because I'm actually proud of them. Marilyn143 wants to know, of all those events, which one would you say helped you grow the most? Definitely Frankie's accident. Peter opened up about talking about how he kind of had to go through like a grieving process, you know, because, and I know even, you know, talking to my own mom, when my brother was finally diagnosed with autism, like there was the grieving process of like the future that you had initially envisioned and how, you know, things are, are different and changing. How did you process all of that and, and carrying it kind of on your own. I mean, I felt like you obviously had Herman, but a lot of it, we saw you really being the one to carry it on your back. Right. So, I mean, it was something that was just like innate. Like I said, like the only person that can save them is me. So I just became the doctor. I became the nurse. Like, I, I got, you know, it was just like me fighting for him to the point that I forgot about Peter and, and I forgot about Herman and I forgot about the rest of my family and friends, because all my focus, you know, was on Frankie. And, you know, the doctors will say, you know, when I say, you know, I took Frankie back after his accident, like this doctor saved your life, the neurosurgeon. And I remember the neurosurgeon coming out and with his eyes watering and he looked at Frankie and he said, no, your mom saved you. Your mom's love saved you. And, you know, and a lot of the doctors that have dealt with me throughout the years will, will tell him that. They're like, Alexia, like you, you did this. So I know what God did it in the universe and everybody that prayed for him. But, you know, I think that that love, and I really do believe that, that that love just like cures everything. You know, it's like the reason for everything. And if I, so yes, you know, he's very fortunate that he had, you know, a mom that I literally gave up my life. I mean, to the point that, you know, I was there in the hospital with him 24 seven, I would not leave. You know, I, I, I was there every step of the way. And we were very fortunate and blessed that, you know, we did have the resources but that I was an educated person. I have my master's in special ed. Like I taught autism. I taught varying exceptionalities. 
you know, I never thought, you know, that life, you know, would turn around and that I would end up, you know, with a child with special needs. But I helped so many kids with that. So I, I did this, you know, for, but it's different when you have to do it for your son. And, you know, but I, that I was able to do it and that God gave me the strength and I had the strength and I had the faith and I never gave up. And, you know, you always have to live with that hope inside. And that's, that's the secret. Like you always have to look forward to something and, you know, have hope for something. And I still do to today with Frankie, you know, I'm hoping, you know, that he's going to be as independent as he can and that he's going to meet, you know, a nice girl and he's going to have, you know, a normal life and, you know, and you just have to, you know, and I'm lucky that I have that, you know what I mean? I wish that for everybody because I think that that's what like keeps you going. You have to have something to look forward to. I always get upset when people talk about like this theory of like false hope and how you can't give people false hope I'm, I'm always like no hope is the thing you need to hold on to because that's what's going to keep you going when you let go of hope you essentially just give up and I, I know for me giving up is just not an option you know you need to stay focused on hope because it keeps you it gives you a purpose and a reason to keep pushing forward yeah. amen you couldn't have said it better and, and that's why I feel bad for the people that don't have that hope yeah. and don't have that faith because you can't give it to them. And like you said, it's like the only reason you have to have a purpose and a reason, you know, to live. And, you know, mine is my children and my life with Todd and with my stepdaughters and, you know, my life. And yes, I've gone through a lot through my life, but I've also had a very happy, beautiful life. Yeah. And I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful for it. And that's what I choose to see. And that's what I and that's how I live my life. And I see Frankie as a blessing. You know, he's taught us so much. I learned from Frankie every single day. Peter learns from Frankie, everybody. And only a mom or a parent that has gone through something like this knows that pain. You know, and it's a pain that's always going to be there no matter how much you try to make it better. You know, and, and even so much for Peter, you know, because Peter as a brother is like, oh, but my brother was this. And I'm sure, you know, when he sees him, he's like, you know, my brother was going to be this and my brother was going to be that. And it's just accepting it, but he's not. And we're lucky that he's alive and that he's a miracle. And that's how I see it every day. And he, if he sees me sad one day, he looks at me, he goes, mom, look at me, I'm alive. And he just says that. And I'm like, Frankie, like you, like who says that, right? Somebody who he sees people upset. It's kind of like he can't communicate so well, but he understands everything. And he's like, what are you complaining about? Look at me. And I'm happy, you know, and I'm just happy that I'm breathing, that I'm alive, that I'm walking, that I'm eating. That's all I need, you know? So he really puts things in, in perspective. perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he seemed, he looks like he's doing really well from what we've seen on the show. Yeah, no, he is. I love the scene when you guys are at the, you're at your beauty bar and you're talking about like, eating ass and he looks at you and you're like oh my god like you completely forgot that that was there was that moment but he had such just like a child reaction to his mom saying something in front of him that he's like I don't want to know that yeah no he still he still does that to me when I say like appropriate things um what happened obviously we kicked off the start of this season with you going on a search for or trying to have a conversation with Herman's rumored boyfriend Whatever happened with that? Did you guys ever have an opportunity to connect? We did. Yes, we did. And I, and it was very helpful. And I really, you know, I wanted to make sure that a lot of the things that I was thinking or questions that I, uh, that I had in my mind, 
I wanted to see if he can help me give me the answers to them. And he was, he was very good. I totally understand why Herman fell in love with him because he's mm-hmm. an amazing human being. And I'm very happy that he was able to answer all those questions. Like we laughed, you know, we cried, we were on the phone for hours and, you know, and, you know, I understand everything now. And it's kind of like, I wanted to put closure to that, you know, as a woman and as his wife and just, you know, I had like all these uncertainties and like, I felt like I, the one closest to him for the last year and a half before he died was this individual. And I didn't even know about it. So it's like, who better than him? So I was very happy that he was willing, you know, cause that says a lot about himself too. He was willing, you know, to talk to me. And that's where I said, okay, now I totally get it. And I'm very happy, you know, that at least Herman had that opportunity you know, to live his life how he wanted to live it. And, you know, I'm sorry that, you know, people that were still living, you know, in the times that were today that, you know, people judge you not, but how, what a great man you are. And like he was, and what a great person, how many people he helped and how generous and kind and just everything he was an extraordinary human being. I don't want to focus on that, you know, or like, you know, say how that was like, not okay. Yeah, I mean, there's still people, you know, that we live in, yeah. in these worlds that, that we, you can't even have that conversation. They don't even want to talk about that. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you know what? It's my life and it's my narrative. And it's very, it was very important to me to talk about it. And it wasn't only me. It's like, you're talking behind my back. I mean, I think it's funny because like Leah Black is the first one like trying to call me out saying, oh, why would you talk about your dead husband? Whatever you talked about him. You're like, you knew his friends. You knew like his friend that was renting the apartment to him. Like, you know, a lot, you just talk behind people's backs. Right. So the fact that I was his wife and that I lived that and that, you know, I found out all this information after he died and that I'm sharing it in a very tasteful way. Cause it was only coming from a good place and a place of love and caring you know, I don't see why she needs to turn it into, you know, something negative. And I don't care what she thinks, you know, but this is why she's not on the show. Was there a feeling of betrayal when you actually found out um, that he had, you know, a lover or maybe a sense of like relief? You know, the right. fact that you, no, you know, I never felt like it's funny because a lot of people will, will think like, oh, my God, like Hermie betrayed you and he was cheating on you and he was doing all this behind your back. And I don't see it that way. And I think that what makes everything different is because I only have love for this person. So I didn't see it as a betrayal. I actually felt sorry for him. Can you imagine living like in, you know, in, in, in this situation that, you know, you want to be a free man and you want to be, you know, in a relationship with another man and you have to be living in a lie and be hiding because you're afraid of how people are going to react to you or they're going to. And the funny thing is that he knew like my love for the gay community and for so he knew that and he actually told his partner he's like you know Alexia's super cool like all her friends are gay and she loves all that and you know she always says like how she was like a gay man or she's gonna be a gay man in her next life all this stuff but he still didn't have the nerve to tell me and that's what was sad to me and disappointing that's like you know I said you don't think he would have ever told me and he said no he said he was never telling you that because he thought he would be disrespecting you and that you have gone through so much in your life. And how can he do this to you? And I'm like, no. So it's like, that's what I'm sad about, that he never thought or believed that I would have been okay with it and like supported it. You know, I, you know, I did not see that as something negative. I don't see that as a weakness. I don't see that as any of that. 
So that's what really hurt me that Herman and I were never able to have that conversation. And for me to say, it's okay, you know, I support you. I love you. You know, you're still amazing. I respect you. I admire, like nothing changed. Nothing changed. I don't see it as a betrayal. I don't see him like, you know, a, a double life. The only person that I feel bad about is him and that he's no longer here. Jay Denny 2030 wants to know if you've heard from his kids since returning on the show and, and talking about right. it. I have not. I have not learned. I have not heard anything from his kids. I mean, his kids are already, you know, after the litigation that we went through a few years ago, after that time, we never saw each other again. And that's what it's been. But, you know, I'm sure that they realize, you know, they, they know about it. So it's not like they're hearing it from me. They actually were the ones that were very happy to tell me about their dad. So, you know what? It's, it, it is what it is. So I'm sure there were so in the beginning, you know, so um, what would be the word, you know, so willing, you know, to share all this information and in a hurtful way to kind of make me see like, huh, you see, my dad never loved you. He loved it. That's what they were trying so, you know what, that's why it was so important for me, like to talk, you know, to Herman's lover and, you know, to hear it from him and to know, you know, about how much Herman loved and cared for our family. And I would imagine this doesn't change the fact that you still felt love in your marriage with him. And oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Herman only showed love to me and to my children, you know, as, and like I said, when he, we were separated for a year and a half. You know, we never talked about divorce, but, you know, when the man leaves your house, you know, when you leave your family house and you kind of get your apartment, it's kind of like you're on your own. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, so that's why I don't see it as a betrayal or disrespect or anything like that, because I was telling everybody I was single also, and I was going out and having my fun. So it doesn't matter whether I was doing it with another woman or with another man. That's like what I don't get. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, who cares? Okay. He was having his fun. I don't care whether it was a man or with a woman. As a matter of fact, I prefer that it was with a man. You know, I don't think I would have been calling the woman like to get any information. Right. But you know, the man was a different thing. So it's not like he, you know, I'm good with it. Yeah. And I, and I feel like people need to like be a little bit more open you know, about all these things, about all these like things. I think we would live in a, in a happier, much better world. Oh, absolutely. Um, FDD1997 wants to know if you felt weird at all giving an interview for the, uh, the Cocaine Cowboys documentary. Well, at the time that it happened, this was many years ago. That's what a lot of people don't know. So at the time that I did that was like nine years ago. And I didn't even know what I was doing either. Like I was trying to help like my the father of my kids, you know, was telling me, oh, I'm writing a book. They're doing a movie. They're doing a docuseries, blah, blah, blah. They're gathering all this information. They're doing interviews. As a matter of fact, Herman drove me, like Herman and I went together to the interview. He was actually sitting there listening to all that because, you know, Herman and the dad were good friends. So, um, you know, they turned out to be good friends. So um, anyways, so I went and I know what I was doing. They were asking me all those questions. And I, again, being real and authentic, and then nine years later, August 4th, I get like a, a, somebody, one of my friends sends me, I was actually at the Hamptons with the girls we were filming uh, August 4th. I'll never forget. And one of my friends, girlfriend sends me a trailer. She goes, you did this? And I'm like, oh my God, no, what is that? She's like, yeah, you're all like on Netflix on a, some trailer. And I'm like, oh my God, that was like this stupid interview I did like nine years ago. 
And, you know, it's like you never know whether somebody yeah. was going to pick you up. It was just like gathering some information. And nine years later, it's on Netflix. <laughs> and I made no money. Uh, <laughs> well, I imagine you're making a very good paycheck now that you're back on Housewives. And we love to see it, Alexia. Like I said, you're my favorite on the show. And I love Adriana. She's got a lot of crazy antics that we've, you know, she keeps she keeps things exciting on the show for sure. Um, but thank you so much. Where can people go to keep up with you or to learn more about your beauty bar in Miami Beach? Yes. So they can go to on my Instagram. They could go to Alexia Napola. It used to be Alexia E underscore says. Uh, but that's the first thing I did. Once I got married, I changed the Instagram name because, you know, that's official. Anything on Instagram is official. Yes. Right. And uh, so I'm Alexia Napola. I'm still in the trying to figure out the paperwork for all the other important documents. And you can also go to Alexia and Frankie's beauty bar. I love it. Well, if I ever find myself in Miami, I think I'm definitely going to have to come into the beauty bar to check things out. I would love yes. to, I would love to come pop in and I'm definitely going to send you some wine. Thank you so much, Alexia. I really appreciate your time and your yeah. honesty. You've always been such an open book and that's what we love about you on the show. Thank you. So thank you. Guys, check out Real Housewives of Miami on Peacock every Thursday. If you haven't done so yet, go and binge the first three seasons because it yeah. is good. And season four is just as spicy with that Miami heat. Alexia and the gals are bringing it every week. I can't wait for the reunion. I saw the dresses and the looks. This is my bachelorette party, so you have to watch this ah. Thursday. Ah, my all right. My bachelorette at the Versace Mansion. Ooh. I love it. Well, I can't wait. Thank you guys for listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach. Peter you can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. Follow the show at No Filter with Zach. And be sure to stock up on our No Filter wine at nofilterwine.com. All right, guys. I will talk to you later this week. But until then, I'm going to go pick Alexia's brain a little more because I am loving Real Housewives of Miami. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at whycampidaho.org.